Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me, episode 100. We are thrilled you are here to share this with us, and we are thrilled to welcome Mike Eli of the Eli Young Band. But before that, some exciting news. We have a website, countrymusicmademe.com. Be sure to head on over, check it out. You can find the episodes. You can sign up for our email list so you can stay connected. We are beyond excited about the conversations that we will be having in 2022 with your favorite country music artists. So remember, countrymusicmademe.com. Be sure to head on over and check it out. Now on to the episode. Mike Eli of the Eli Young Band. Now we had a great time talking about his personal journey through music, as well as the journey of the Eli Young Band. We talked about the personal and business and emotional sides of the industry all coming together to form an amazing career. So please enjoy our conversation with Mike Eli of the Eli Young Band. I wanted to go back to your younger years and discover the time before university and how music drove you back then. And so starting off in your younger years with your family, was there any sort of musical talent within your family that helped spark it within you? Or did you find it more on your own in your journey as a youngster? Music was always really, I guess, important in my house. It wasn't necessarily like we were like family bandish kind of thing going on but right my, my mom loved to sing um my my dad loved listening to country music um and and my sisters could sing in fact i think and i say this all the time but my sisters are way better singers than i am <laughs> i just had more more passion and more drive to go and get it done you know um you know it's been a long road I, you 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 get told over and over and over again that it is nearly impossible to to make it happen you know yeah um, and and that's probably one of the reasons i probably don't want my kids necessarily to follow in my footsteps because i just know how hard it is how heartbreaking it can be not necessarily just with our career but with with so many other artist friends that that have had so many heartbreaking moments um, because this isn't something you just go to college for and it's like, well, now I have the degree. So I have, you know, the credentials to go and get this job, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and the unfortunate part of, of going into the music business or the country music business, like you, 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 there's so much of, of chance and luck that's built into it. You know, you can go in with the talent, you can go in with, with the, you know, the, the right state of mind and, and being a hard worker and, and be willing to go out there and, and put yourself out there. But so much of it is, is luck and just the chance that the timing works out for us, whether it's a song or whether it's meeting the right person at the right time. It's just too much of it is left up to chance and luck. And so that that's maybe one of the small reasons. Um, my parents were always so um, encouraging. Right. They said, Look, this, I, we understand this is your passion. This is what you want to do. Um, but you have to have 
um, a fallback plan, you know, and, and, you know, nowadays, you know, fallback plans are kind of not as popular as, uh, <laughs> as, as they once were. No you know? plan B, right? Because, because, you know, YOLO, you only live once, like go <laughs> and chase your dreams and go and make it happen. But that's not always reality. And so um, when I picked University of North Texas, it was because their music program was, you know, so well known, especially in Texas. Um, if you wanted to, to go to a public school with a, you know, a renowned program, you know, that you went to North Texas and, right. um, you know, and it's not just in Texas, but they're, you know, known all over um, for their music program. So um, I ended up, you know, ch chasing that a bit and said, well, at the end of the day, I can always teach if I, if, uh, if I can't make this happen, you know, um, and I would have loved to have been a teacher. I have such huge respect for um, anyone that goes into that, that field. My, uh, my sister is um, a teacher and it's such a hard job. Um, but, you know, that was kind of like what I, what I saw, um, you know, at the end of the day, if I can't make the music, I'll help someone else make the music, you know? Right. And when, what age was it where the passion got to the point where you knew you wanted to make it a career? Were you pretty young or was it closer to university that you were like, I really want to make music my career? You know, I, there isn't a time um, that I can remember where I didn't, you know, I, I always had that passion. I think I always wanted it. You know, I, you know, I, that the, when I was a kid, the age of MTV and CMT and all that had started. And, you know, obviously back then, you know, there were like, you know, we had just gotten 40 channels, you know, right. 40 channels was like, holy moly, we've got 40 <laughs> channels. Nowadays it's like only 40 channels. What the heck, man. Yeah. But you know, like CMT and, um, and MTV, I think fueled so much of my passion for wanting that, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what, something about the performance and being able to, to go on stage and um, flip a switch, you know, I've always been kind of a introvert of sorts, um, which my wife rolls her eyes every time I say that. But it's like, well, when I when I go on stage, it's, it's it's almost like this other person inside me comes out, and I'm able to 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 pull from that, you know. But when I'm I'm in a social situation, say with my kids and and their parents, it's a little bit tougher. You know? Yeah, I find that interesting. There's like, I don't want to say quite a few, but there are musicians along the way I've talked to that are like that. They offstage are very reserved, very quiet, don't like to be in big groups, but then all of a sudden you get them in front of 50,000 people and they come alive. It's a very interesting thing. Yeah. It's, it's like before shows when we're, you know, say we're entertaining or we've got some radio folks or we're, we're doing meet and greets and or somebody's like, hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why, you know, you're so quiet. And uh, I mean, it's, I don't, 
I'm saving it for the stage. I don't know. Like it, it, something, something switches in me when, when I walk, uh, walk onto the stage, you know, it's, right. uh, it's a funny thing. I, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> and I've heard you talk about sort of the anxiety that comes along with this career and talk about that and sort of how you manage that, but also how it helps to drive you forward at the same time. Yeah. I, I managing it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, um, after COVID, um, I guess we're still in COVID, but, um, um, taking a year and a half off of playing on stage, we had never taken that much time off ever, you know, since we started the band. Um, right. I mean, the, when we started hitting the road hard, you know, I mean, when we would take, when we'd get a couple weeks or three weeks off, it was like, holy moly. And then I would freak out like getting back on stage. Cause I'm like, am, am I going to remember the words? Am I going to remember how to do this? What if the switch switch doesn't flip, you know? Right. But when 2020 happened and we, we're coming back to, to going back on the road. Um, man, that, the anxiety hit a, a new level. Um, luckily, um, cruise control still works, um, <laughs> in the brain, you know? Um, but it was, it was really, um, really tough to, to go back out there and, and rem remember, um, how to turn it back on, you know? Um, but uh, I don't know necessarily how um, I manage it um, other than what, what has probably helped me the most, most is um, we uh, worked with a, um, um, a speech therapist um, oh, okay. for, for a while. We, we were on the road so much that I started losing my voice a lot. And so we were trying to figure out what was going on and what, you know, whether or not it was, you know, something, you know, wrong with my throat or my um, larynx or whatever. And, and it ended up being like that. Everything was just so tight in my, in my neck. And so she uh, started working with me on all these exercises, um, not just uh, vocal exercises, but, but muscle exercises that, that, kind of help loosen up the neck because I feel like that anxiety was getting to me so bad that everything in my neck and shoulders was tightening up. And, and she kind of explained to me how um, those muscles were just tightening around your throat and you weren't necessarily losing your voice. You were just, you know, the air just couldn't get through. Right. And so those exercises have helped me so much um, and kind of relaxing like that whole part of my body. Cause so much, you just don't realize like of your whole movement and your body just starts like just right here in your neck and shoulders. And so, um, I think that has been a huge help for me, you know, and then just trying to relax and remember that if you, mess up something on stage you can move on and move into the next thing because my brain tends to be the I can't it's like when you're trying to sleep and you start you know well stop thinking about this 
right and then you're thinking about thinking about not thinking about this and then you know and it's just this vicious cycle of and then an hour later you're still not asleep because you're thinking about thinking about not thinking about you know and so um that was kind of one of the things i've really just tried to remind myself to move on which is not that easy when you're you know musicians we tend to be a little ocd you know yeah and so on the performance side, you have that. What about the writing side? Now, when that started for you when you were younger, was that more of a release for that anxiety? Does that let you release it more on the writing side? Yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of um, trying to write when I was younger was um, more of finding that poetic side. Um, right. You know, in, in, in school, I did you know, a lot of the UIL prose and poetry and all that. And so I, I was kind of infatuated with that when I was, uh, I, but I didn't necessarily find that until high school. Um, I kind of wish that um, I had focused more on that before. Um, and so I didn't really start writing music until um, the latter part of high school. And when I, and obviously when, when I met the band, um, it was when I first met James, our lead guitar player, he and I started, well, let's try to write some songs, you know? And, you know, I mean, at that point I hadn't written very many. Um, and so we just started writing song after song, after song, after song, right. To see what we could, you know, I had been told by a songwriter in Nashville at one point in high school that I had somehow met and he's like you, you've just got to write a hundred songs to to write one good one which which i think that that that's something that songwriters tell um young writers um so that you find the drive in it um hopefully you get better and and your um your your quality over quantity you know, it starts to increase. Right. Yeah. And in those early days, I know there was the young ranch that you guys would go out to quite a bit to do some writing. Now talk about the importance of that land and what that has meant for the band. And I don't know, was that sold this year? I saw a post that maybe they were, that land was leaving the band. Yeah. Um, James's uh, parents, uh, they are his, his dad and his stepmom, they've decided to sell the ranch and move out to a, a lake house. Oh, okay. So it's, it's bittersweet. Um, I'm happy for them, but, but we have a lot of memories there. My wife and actually got, my wife and I got married there. Oh, okay. Um, we have a lot of memories at the young ranch. Um, James um, grew up in Irving near Denton, but his parents had bought this ranch in Meridian, which is about, about an hour and a half outside of DFW. Um, but it was just a great place for us to go and be away from school and the pressures of, of college and trying to figure out, you know, what we were going to do with this band thing, you know, because it was for a long time, even as we went further and further along in the band, like, you know, we kept saying, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do this, you know, but 
you know, I mean, it's not like we were going out and making millions of dollars, but we were, you know, paying some bills and that was, you know, the, the factor of, of, you know, keeping us going in a certain way. Um, Yeah. The moment they stop paying you in beer and they start (laughs) paying you in actual dollars, but the young ranch was kind of this place where we could go and, and find the, the reason we were doing it, not just about surviving, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, None of us came from money, you know? And so we didn't have in college like this, you know, piggy bank that we could, take money out so that we could follow our passion. And, you know, there were certain points where, I mean, all of us worked, um, at a certain point I had three jobs, oh, really? 18 hours. And then on the weekends we'd go and play shows. Um, <laughs> so I've been, my wife laughs. She, she cause I, I, lo- I love to take a nap, man. I mean, I, <laughs> some people think it's the biggest waste of time, but I love to take a nap. But I think that, I've, I'm catching up on the sleep that I didn't get the first seven, eight years of being in this band, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that people don't explain to you is that, is that this, it, the, this job isn't necessarily like you do lose sleep. Like you have to, you have these two different schedules that are um, completely opposite of each other. And you're flying in and out to shows. Most of the time your flights are at, you know, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. in the morning that way you know because if you're gonna be dad at home you can't show up at five o'clock in the evening yeah you know you know the whole day's wasted and uh and so there's just a whole lot of um really messing up with sleep schedules you know because there's so but nobody told me how much sleep i would lose over over being a musician you know? <laughs> yeah exactly and so along this journey so in 2005 you release Level, your sort of debut album. I mean, back in 2002, I believe you had your self-titled debut, but Level was sort of the one that everyone knows. And Highways and Broken Hearts, I heard you talk about that that was sort of the song that showed you guys as a band where you were headed. Now, at that point, did you feel like this was going to be a career or did it take even after that for you to be comfortable that this was working well enough that you could be comfortable in at least a few years down the road, knowing that it was going to pay your bills and going to be a career. Yeah, it was, it it wasn't necessarily a single moment that made me change, you know, that way of thinking like, okay, so this is going to be, the career you know? oh, okay this, um, I think it was like a just a lot of moments and it was all probably built around the level record um, highways and broken hearts was one of the songs that as a songwriter um, I felt like I had crossed a line um, I had written quite a few songs prior to that um and written a lot of songs with james and and some of the other guys in the band and written some songs by myself but highways was the song where i really felt like i had found myself um as as a writer and you know as um 
what I wanted out of the band and music. Um, right. You know, we always have to have told that line of, of, of somewhere between rock and roll country, hillbilly rock and, and pop and, and, you know, finding your, your place in that weird shaped pie of music, um, what was difficult at that time because you had, you know, like, you know, country radio was completely on the, the pop side. Right. Um, at that moment. Um, and so there was the, all that cool alt Ryan Adams, whiskey town, sun vault stuff happening. And, and we were like, well, we, we like it both. <laughs> um, and we said, you know, what we're doing on stage and what we have found is, is more in the, you know, Petty and the Heartbreakers realm or the Springsteen realm, which in, in, you know, or John Mellencamp, you know, or, you know, like, which, which at the time wasn't as country as it is now, right. if that makes any sense. Um, and so finding our place was, was, I think highways and broken hearts was that song that said, okay, this is why this is going to work for us. Um, but you know, like when it rains on that album did huge things for us. And, and that was, you know, in that same wheelhouse as well. And so, um, but there were songs on level where, you know, that were written before that, where we were still trying to find it, if that makes sense. Right. And, yeah. and so you have like small town kid and, and say like girl in red or uh, some of these other songs that were like, we were still searching, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was while we were writing those songs that we feel like we found it. And it was somewhere around writing when it rains and, and highways and broken hearts where we were like, okay, this is, this is what we want to do. You know? Right. Yeah. And I don't know if level was recorded at the panhandle production studios, or if that was your 2002 album, but just talk about that studio and what that means for you as a band within your history and just helping guide you to where you are today. Yeah, so Panhandle is where we, we did level. And we've done a lot of stuff at Panhandle over the years because it's it's right near where we live. Um, and it was right in the middle of Denton when we went to school. Um, and um, uh, the Mark and Eric, the guys that, that own the place, are now great friends of ours. Eric Herbst co-produced um, level and produced most of the entire record. But it was, he helped kind of nurture us figuring out how to record in a professional studio. Because that first um, self-titled album, we were recording in our friend's basement, you know, and we didn't know how to make a record. Right. You know, and even some of those tracks, like how we, like when, when, when we ended up mixing and mastering, like some of the, like some his bass missing off some of it. And like, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it was a little bit of a mess because we were all trying to learn how to do it. And so Panhandle was the first experience of, of where, where 
we were working in, in the professional realm of, of recording. Um, it, it's funny because every time we walk back in there to do like, you know, cause we'll go back and do press there. Or we'll record some live stuff or, or record like, uh, you know, like we did the, um, the Motley Crue um, tribute um, album that they did. And we recorded one of their songs. And, and so we just did it here at Panhandle. Oh, nice. Um, and it turned out great. But <laughs> every time we walk back in there, it just feels like, you know, we're walking back into home base, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. And living in Denton still, like, has there ever been a time where you've where you have relocated to Nashville or you thought about relocating to Nashville or you have you always stayed in Texas and not really had the need to want to move to Nashville? There, there were moments and there were a lot, there were a lot of moments where there was pressure to, to pick up and, and move up there. Um, looking back, you know, being younger and more easily mobile, um, it would have been easier and better to do it back then. <laughs> right. Um, but we just didn't want to, you know, this was kind of our home base and, and our touring in the early days was so much, um, so much in the Southwest in Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, you know, I mean, it was just all in this area. And so as far as the majority of our touring and so, um, but there was pressure, um, for quite a while to, to do that, um, to move up to, to Nashville. And there was a point where my wife and I, um, started putting offers in on houses, but it was right at the moment when Nashville just started going berserk and like we'd put offers in and somebody would bid $40,000 over, over asking. Right. You know, and so we would just keep losing. And so eventually we said, you know what, let's just wait, see if the market cools down. And then it just never cooled down, <laughs> you know? Um, so we, we don't know, like we, at some point we started, we put, uh, started uh, looking again, um, kind of to have like a, a, a place to go when I'm up there working or writing. Um, and then, and then we stopped again because we couldn't find anything under a zillion dollars, you <laughs> yeah, know? Exactly. Within playing your hometown shows, I wanted to also ask you about Billy Bob's Texas, because I believe you have played there. It's at least 16 times. That's what it says on their website that you've had 16 appearances there starting back in 2005. And so what has that venue meant? And what does it mean? when you're able to come home and play hometown shows, because that's something you guys do quite a bit at fairs and venues around Texas. Yeah, it's, it's great. You know, the thing is when you are in front of a crowd that um, they, it's, they know more about you sometimes than you know about yourself. Right. Um, and they know the lyrics better than you do um, sometimes. And so being able to to walk into a place like Billy Bob's, which is one of those places where we kind of feel, you know, you know, like it's a second home to us. Um, being able to walk in there and play in front of um, a lot of folks that that we recognize their faces because they're at, at these shows, you know, um, it feels so good. You know, the, I, I, there's that moment 
when you hear a crowd sing a song back to you for the first time um, and that feeling is one of the feelings that it's like you're sucked in. It's happening. You know what I mean? You'll never be the same after that moment. You'll never be the same again. And, and it feels that way every time we're, we're playing a hometown show or playing Billy Bob's or something like that, because they sing so much of the songs um, and they sing them back to you with, with more passion um, than you've sometimes got in you, you know? (laughs) And so, um, it, it kind of, it's a little bit of a, a rebirth moment sometimes um, when it comes to finding your passion, I guess. And, you know, sometimes you can get jaded um, when you play so many shows and you're on the road and, you know, you, it's a lot, it's a lot more work and a lot, it's a lot more tiring than, than anyone realizes. And so there's, there's, so there's moments that we feel maybe a little jaded and, and those moments kind of bring you back to why you do it. You know, right. that was one of the things with 2020 with everything um, that went down, mm-hmm. We've, you know, we might have been pretty burnt out at that moment. Um, and being forced to take that time off and kind of be reminded what you should be appreciate appreciating. Um, it was uh, it was really healthy for us, aside from everything COVID and all all the all that mm-hmm. um, for us personally to be able to be to force ourselves to reconnect was I think really healthy for us personally. Right. Yeah, and that's what I want to ask you about because in the beginning on level on the album you guys basically wrote every song but then it feels like as you moved into your career you were cutting more outside stuff like some of your biggest hits or outside cuts and so what did 2020 mean for you personally as a songwriter did it allow you to just stop and take some time to refocus on that and who you were as a songwriter yeah, man that's the hardest part about about finding success and then you have to go out and play and play and play and play and play. And then, and then you've got to put out more music and, and, you know, you do everything you can to, to find the time to be creative, but it's not always that easy. Um, we have always been of the mind to the, the, that the song wins. Yeah. And so some of the songs that we, that we've cut that we didn't write are songs that we've been really passionate about, you know, and I would not have wanted to, I would do it the same going back, you know, Um, even if it breaks your heart was a pivotal moment for us musically, um, for our souls, for, for obviously being a number one for us, you know, obviously Will Hogan, Eric Pasley wrote that song, but you know, it was one of those songs that nationally it told everybody, this is who they are and this is what they're doing. You know, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, but yeah, finding that time was so difficult back then because we were working so much, whether we were doing press or, or, or on the road playing shows or doing radio tours or, you know, I, it was just so hard. And that was also in the middle of, you know, some of us were having kids and getting married. And, right. you know, I mean, it was the busiest time of our lives. And we had to really figure out 
how to do it all. But 2020, um, I was able to just focus on the creative side. So the great thing is, is I've written enough music for the next 10 albums. So, <laughs> so it was awesome. really, it was really hard to choose music for this record. And we, we still recorded um, an outside song for the album, um, a song called break, break up in a bar. And it, it was, it was just too good to pass up. Um, you know, a great song is a great song and the, and the best song should always win and whether, whatever's perfect for the project. And so, um, we still recorded an outside song for this record. Um, but, uh, it was really hard to choose because there's so, we, we've got so many to choose from, but the good thing is, is that this won't be our last record. We've got, we've got a lot more music to make. And so, I'm excited for everyone to hear not only this new project, but also um, some of these songs that, that were written over 2020 um, that are so, I mean, so personal. Right. You know, 2020 was a, a, a roller coaster of, of emotions. I, I refer, I'm sure for everyone. Um, and so there's so much of, of me in those songs Um it's so much that everyone that when they try, when they talk about the songs, they, they try to be really careful. <laughs> say, Look, I got thin, thick skin guys. I get it. I get it. We've got lots of to choose from, but they, but they know how personal the songs are. So um, <laughs> I think whether it's good or bad, they, they tiptoe around, uh, around any kind of negativity around any per any of the, the songs, but. Right. And so how did that affect the production and the recording process? Did it also feel a little different than, you know, the last seven, eight years after Level? Did it feel more personal in the studio as well? I think so. I think um, the, the cool thing, we were working with uh, two new producers um, that, that I had actually spent a lot of time with writing over uh, 2020 with. Um, and we were kind of, Dan Huff had produced um, a lot of stuff that we had been doing prior to 2020. And then when we were writing, I would just started talking to two of these writers about, about producing and, um, and whether or not we were going to go back in with Dan Huff. And they actually came to me, they were like, Hey, why don't you let us try to cut some sides and see what comes of it. And everything about it just felt so right. I had spent so much of personal time with them writing um, and then going into the studio. It was one of the most positive and relaxed um, sessions um, that we've had in a long time. I think uh, a lot of the records we've made, there's, there's always so much pressure and there's always so much um, coming in after weeks on the road and then you go back in the studio and, and, and you're trying to let it all go and, and, <laughs> and completely immerse yourself in the creative moment. Right. You know? And, and the, this felt a lot more like, I mean, you nailed, you nailed it. It felt a lot more like level um, when it came down to pressure and, and just sitting back and enjoying it. 
Right. And now Love Talking is the new single that's going to be coming. Is this sort of the first push towards the new album? Yeah. So they wanted to get, um, start kind of sneak peeking some of the stuff that we've been working on, which is great because, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a huge influx of new music, um, you know, with so many artists that were home so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but lucky for me, it was kind of like that sneak peek into the next record and the next chapter. Um, but then uh, Love Talking is going to be the lead single. Um, but they didn't want, they started talking about putting Love Talking out first um, on, you know, where people could get it on digitals and iTunes, et cetera. And, 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 and then they said, well, maybe we should wait a little closer to the radio ad date so that no one gets confused. Um, and which is funny because I, you know, I get text messages all the time. I love your new song, heard it on the radio. It's like, wait, well, that's not the single yet, but, <laughs> um, but I'm glad you like it. Right. You know? um, but you know, there's a whole, a whole new vibe and just really, you know, um, there's, it feels so good. Um, you know, Lucky for Me was written towards the beginning of, of uh, 2020. It was right before, you know, all of the positivity kind of got sucked out of the world. Right, yeah. Um, I think that that song kind of makes me feel that, that positivity that we still had before it kind of went dark a little bit. Um, in the middle of the year last year and then love talking we wrote right at like the last like two weeks before um we were set to go in the studio oh, okay. and it was funny because I, you know like we had caught really like honed in on a, a, a list that we had gotten down to just like this you know 15 songs you know and then i was like all right this might put a throw a wrench in it <laughs> see what you guys think and everyone was loving it and we ended up having you know going with this song and and to put on the record but um didn't really think that you know i mean i wasn't like this is the first single you know right it just yeah. had this cool different sound and and vibe that just felt right and felt like it was going to be a ton of fun on on stage to play and um but it's just one of sometimes those last hour songs, man, they uh, they end up being a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And so because this album was kind of written throughout 2020, is it a roller coaster of emotion from song to song in some positivity and some darkness and some hopefulness and some despair? You know, um, it was there was a lot of um, writing that happened in 2020 where it was searching for that positivity. So I think that, you know, there is maybe some desperation in some of the songs that I wrote in 2020. A lot of those didn't necessarily find it, find their way onto this record because um, I think that even personally we needed to focus on, um, the positive side of, of, of everything right now, just for us, you know, I mean, you know, we don't go out and make a million dollars. Like we, we, we just go out and make a living, you know what I mean? Right. And, 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 and so taking that much time off 
you know, put a lot of um, weight on all of our shoulders for us, our, and our, our crew and everybody that works for us. Um, and so we just needed that positivity in our lives. Um, and so th there's one song on there called uh, Tell Me It Is that was written in that moment of just somebody tell me it's going to be okay. You know, <laughs> right. Somebody just give me something. And, 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 you know, my, my wife uh, finds her way into 99% of all the songs, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and so this was kind of that, that moment of me asking her to tell me everything's going to be okay. You know, you know, we, we, as men, sometimes we, we, we want to be, we always want to be the ones to tell, tell them like, Hey, I've got this. We've got this. We can do it. We can make this happen no matter what, what gets thrown at us. We've got it. You know, right, you always yeah. want to be that one to do it. And, um, and so there were a few moments where, you know, I think I needed her to say it <laughs> and I think it found its way into that song. So, um, but, but for the most part, the rest of the songs have, uh, have a lot more positivity in them. That's awesome. And you mentioned bringing positivity to the crew. Now, I just wanted to end off on sort of a sad note, but bring some positivity into it. In January of this year, you lost your longtime bus driver, Steve Green. And I just wanted you to just talk about him and what he meant and, and just end this on sort of celebrating him and what he meant for the band over the years. It was, that was a sad day. Um, you know, it, you, you think about sometimes, um, yeah, I mean, we're not going to be here forever. I mean, it, it, somebody's here today, gone tomorrow. Um, and you just, that reality, um, you just don't always, you know, see all the time. Um, you know, mm -hmm. James has lost a, a few, um, he lost his mom recently and recently lost his aunt. And I, I, I think, um, loss is a terrible thing. Steve was an incredible person. He was on the road with us for a long, long time. He obviously wasn't on the road, um, with us at that time. Um, we were traveling with, uh, a crew bus and a, and a, um, a van bus. And, and he would, he always drove the, the crew bus, but he was part of our family. You know, I think that um, one thing that uh, a lot of folks don't realize is we spend so much time together on the road. Um, you become a family and, and you're in these close quarters for a long time and you care about each other. Um, and, you know, you spend holidays together, you, you do all these things together. And so um, it was a sad day for all of us. Um, we miss him. Well, thank you so much for sharing about him. And I, I'm sure he's looking down on you on stage every night that you're up there and just making sure that uh, you're where you're supposed to be and that you're having a great performance. He might be glad he's done with us. <laughs> We're tough. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Mike for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to check out the Eli Young Band's new single, Love Talking. Please also be sure to check out our new website, countrymusicmademe.com. You can find the episodes, you can find more about the podcast, you can sign up for our email list so you can stay connected. 
please be sure to check it out, countrymusicmademe.com. Thank you once again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.